Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Good afternoon. Um, Today we have Tammy Wilder, who is the CEO of Positive Impact International. Um, Positive Impact International is an organization that works with at-risk teens in North Georgia. So Tammy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Can you give a little bit of a, uh, of a background of what exactly is um, the organization that you started? Yeah, so um, my mother and I started Positive Impact International about 10 years ago um, in Gwinnett County. And it's funny because when we originally started, we were like, okay, what can we do um, to help underserved children and families in the county, right? Or, and um, so we started off by doing like a lot of extracurricular programs and after school programs for free and music and dance. And then about three years in, we were contacted by National Safe Place, which is the, um, it's a national organization for kids who are homeless, run away, been kicked out, teen mums. I'd done work with them in the past, um, but they found out that we were the community organization for Gwinnett County and they were like, would you be the agency, the licensed agency for Gwinnett County and all the North um, and operate as the youth emergency shelter? So yeah, we were like, okay. Um, And so we did, and and it's been been an amazing um, journey thus far and we've grown a lot. and yeah, it's it's been pretty. I so I want to earmark the story about how you became associated with them and like what that was like. Yeah, like, first, what was it like starting a nonprofit with your mother? It was it was really awesome actually because you know I had done a lot of work with children. Um, <laughs> I you know of course a lot of it was in the arts, a lot of it was mentoring and um, different. Um, you know, just things that are like just helping youth and in thera- therapeutic yeah. ways and foster children. And and um, and I just, you know, I'm the type of person that I am a solution type person. So like, I'm going to look at what the problems are, but my first thing is going to be like, how do we fix it? So I'm working in loads of different de- demographics with, with children, different organizations. There were some really amazing things I learned. And then there were some things that were like, got to do it different. And the only way to really do it different is just to start your own, you know, and just yeah. kind of, out so you know I'd, I'd gone you know to my family and I was kind of like I just really feel like we need to do something different and they supported me got behind me I left my job and I you know like literally by faith just walked in and was like okay I don't know how this is going to go but we're just going to find the needs figure out how we meet them and, and make it work so and then how did your mom get a part of it then so I mean you know my, my family are really really close and so you know my my parents were really behind and supported and kind of brought me and my siblings up to always serve and we always volunteered and I worked in orphanages in Jamaica and you know like just you know just because I just believe that you know when you've been given a lot a lot mm-hmm. is expected so that was just so they were just they were just both for it and my mom and I she's one of my best friends and she was like I want to be in like what, what do I need to do <laughs> and she has a really strong accounting background so it was really good because I am not the greatest with numbers and she's awesome 
So I'm more the hands-on program director, making sure that things are flowing and she's making sure that we're very transparent with the money raised and making sure that it's, you know, going to the appropriate areas. And yeah. so we're, we're a good partnership. That's awesome. You always need those two halves to come together. and balance. Absolutely. And what better <laughs> than to have your mom who you can absolutely trust, right? So like, I know that she wants it to succeed just as much as I do. Yeah. So. Yeah. And now, so with that other organization that came to you, how did they ended up finding you? Like, how did that come about? So about 15, 16 years ago, Gwinnett County used to have a children's shelter. We, yeah. And Gwinnett County Safe Place was running out of that children's shelter. So it was contracted with the state. And I used to be the one who spoke to all the spoke all Gwinnett County schools about what to do if you've been kicked out of home, what to do if you run away, what to do if you're in any dangerous situation in the community. I don't know if you're familiar with the yellow and black signs and all the quick trips. They are yeah. all the stationary and all the YMCA's are safe place sites. So um, I would just educate the children a lot and I would go pick them up at the gas stations at three o'clock in the morning and drive them to the shelter. When they closed down, there, were, there was no agency that was the active licensed youth shower agency. So Gwinnett County went, and North, went without a youth shower for quite some years. Um, so I was I was pretty honored when they reached out to us and asked us to be the agency um, to you know continue it. So it's a big, big yeah. job to do. And then what was the ramp up like that? Like, how did you manage, what steps did you take? Because if that is such like a big organization, they're coming to you, yeah. What so what like we did, plan? yeah. So what we did is we followed the um, the host home model. So basically, we found families who were like foster parents, empty nesters that um, you know were were experienced. We put them through the training, and then they basically volunteered and would say, you know what, I have two bedrooms, and they would. So when we got an emergency call, we have a twenty four hour crisis line. When we would get a call from a child or a school counselor or someone saying, hey, we have a child that needs an emergency bed, um, we would then um, call our homes that we yeah. had and see, you know, and the thing was that was great, but it was also really hard because when COVID hit, um, nobody was letting anybody in their house. Mm -hmm. So we really had nowhere for these kids to go. And I think it was at that point that I was like, we have to get our own houses. So we then applied last year for the ARPA grant, which is through United Way, in partnership with the Lawrenceville Housing Association, and we were awarded one hundred sixty thousand dollars, and with that, we were able to open um, three homes, and then we were awarded a little bit more money. We were able to open the fourth home, so um, we now went from like maybe five beds to like twenty-two beds. Um, so that's kind of how the transition has been. It wasn't like super easy, but you know, it, ma it yeah. makes it easier for us to operate this way because we don't have to worry about like you know, a, a really nice family who's volunteering being like, you know what, we just can't, or, you know, and then we have no plan, but for us to have secure beds that we know that we have a certain amount of beds for kids that are in need, yeah. Where did you learn the skills to like manage this growth? Because at first it's one thing just to start, <clears throat> excuse me, a nonprofit and, you know, trying to get some other people involved and now you're managing five homes getting these grants, like how do you manage that growth? Like, where did you, are you, yeah, just, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if I'm being dead honest with you, I'll keep it real, real. Like I am learning to manage it. I don't think that this is something that I really could have like 
been prepared for. I do have like a lot of my really good friends and nonprofit leaders. So I ask a lot of advice. I'm watching everything. And literally we've been learning along the way because if you looked, if you saw my business plan from 10 years ago, we looked very different. You know, like we, and I love where we are, but it was not what I saw us at five, yeah. 10 right so I think that as we've just kind of been growing year by year we're just having to learn along the way and figure it out I mean there really is not a rule book you know what I'm saying to, yeah. to, to grow and you just have to see what the needs are and okay well what do we need to do to meet these needs what works what doesn't work you know and kind of put it into action are there ever points where you say no to that point like if you're going on you thought you were going to go this way and then eventually you're this way and now you're doing this and then you might do that and whatever how do you know when to say no and when to go with it, like go yeah. with the flow? I think so with my personality, I'm the type of person where if we can't do it well, we don't do it at all, right? It doesn't mean we won't ever do it. But if someone like, there's so many times that we get presented with opportunities like, hey, have you guys ever thought about maybe adding this to your program or could, which are like some amazing things. But I know that if we don't have the capacity, like for, for example, the children that we take in into our program, we... Um, do not take in extreme behaviors or extreme mental health, right? Not that I do not want to help kids because they they need, the kids in that demographic, they need a lot of help and support. I just know that we are not equipped, right? To have, we do not have a full clinical team that can come in and prescribe medication and manage behaviors that are like up here. And mm -hmm. so um, I sometimes, even though my heart will be like, oh, I really want to take this child in. Sometimes I have to sit there and think, if we take this child in, are we fully, are we able to help them at, to the highest capacity? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they going to leave us better off or are we stunting them or preventing them from getting more extensive help? So I really try to like take myself out of it and be like, I know I want to do this and this would be amazing. But if we are not qualified and equipped right now to take on these big, you know, projects, don't do it. Let's do what we do well and we'll just pace ourselves and we'll grow. And, we'll grow. and maybe a year from now, we will have a clinical team. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. we can take in some behaviors that we normally wouldn't. And, and that's kind of how I, I don't like the word no either. So for me, it's never, no, I can't. It's just not right now. Yeah. You know? Well, then, and then also, so for, in like that case with the, with the people with the more extreme behaviors and maybe some mental, need some mental health, um, how, like, do you sit there and you're like, I want to accomplish this? And then you make a plan for it? Or you just keep going with the plan that you have? Like, I think it's concurrent. Right I think it's and, concurrent. Yeah. yeah, I think it's both. I think we have that I want to, and this is what it's going to take. But right now, this is what we have to do. And in that way, we're never just sitting down and being like, oh, one day we'll do that. No, it's a working plan. Like, for instance, one of our big goals this year is we have, so we've taken kids that are 17 and under, but... Mm -hmm kids like we have five seniors graduating this weekend and they have nowhere to go after they graduate I'm not going to kick them out do you know what I'm saying like they're working they're doing well they're following the rules they're, they're making steps so for us a big need is we need transitional living housing right so we're looking at maybe getting some land and building tiny houses or you know something so for me it's like that is a uh, a goal that we need to have immediate like in the next few months we really need to put this thing into place but right now today I don't have that so yeah. what do we do to help maintain these kids while they're with us so that's kind of how my brain always has to be um yeah yeah and then how big is the need for like un unaccompanied 
um, miners and like that tradition transitional living phase like how big of an issue is that in Gwinnett huge County slash North Georgia? It's a huge issue um for example think about it Gwinnett County have 120 mm -hmm. schools this is just Gwinnett County it has like a million people if I don't think people realize how big it is it's like it's, bigger it's than huge the state of Montana. it's huge right so just in our schools we have 120 schools in just mm -hmm. Gwinnett we serve just we serve Gwinnett and North, so Gainesville, Athens, Jefferson, close to up to uh, close to South Carolina, right? It's like, well, there is not a children's shelter there in, in, in this whole radius. And so then when it comes to Gwinnett County, which is probably the closest from north, closest to the sea, right? Um, we do not have a transitional plan for these kids. They're the closest one is going to be Decatur, and they're full. Right, so it's a huge need. It's a huge need. There, that we do not have a whole bunch of outlets for these kids to go. So what happens is when these kids age out of foster care, or they age out of our program, or they're eighteen and they get kicked out, they can't afford to live on their own. They're just getting beginning jobs. They have they have no transportation. Gwinnett, we don't have uh, transportation. You know, like we don't have buses and trains, and you know, we have like transit buses, but they run not the best so like you know it's kind of like we don't have very many options for these kids so what happens is they become our homeless adults and if you just think of an 18 I mean it was about I'm almost 40 so it's been about 20 years since I was you know 18 or whatever but I um, know that an 18 year old isn't necessarily an adult even though they're a legal adult they're still a mm -hmm. kid you take this child and you throw them into a shelter with grown people, people that are on drugs, people that are doing all different things. And you're basically, we're just exposing them to it, right? And they just have to exercise their survival skills. We do not have anything built to protect these, these children. Um, and that is, it's a huge need. And a lot of people are unaware of how huge the need is. How do you like keep yourself sane? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, like I, I'm a, I'm a real straightforward person, right? I have yeah. a lot, of, like a lot of anxiety because, you know, I have kids, I have four and my oldest is 16, my youngest is four. And I always think, my gosh, like if something happened to me in my family, where would my kids go? You know what I'm saying? Like who would, and so it, it keeps me up at night and literally sometimes I have to like, have like time where I just, I can't think about anything because I am an empath and I do, think about people's needs to the excess where it like I'm not the type of person that someone could say oh I need food and I'm like oh hope you find some I'm gonna be like well, what do we need to do how do we even if it's not my area what do you need do I need to go buy you some clothes do I need to like me personally I'm that type of person so in running an organization like it hurts my heart when we have to tell a child we don't have any room you know, I will stay up all night and I will make phone calls and I will try and figure out where else someone can go because I just feel like we, we have to do that. So it's 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 not easy. It definitely, you know, emotionally, it, that's probably harder than actually running the organization. It's just maintaining just the emotions of watching all of what these kids are going through in their different situations and having to like hear it, take it in and then figure out how to help them and, and literally know that they're leaning on our organization to help them, you know, make it in life. And yeah. it's a huge responsibility that I did not ask for, but but I was called upon to do it and I accepted the challenge, you know? So, yeah. No, thank you. I mean, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that too. Um, 
I, your goal is to hit to help 140,000 children through the national program. Like, is that associated with the current with the the organization that like the big yeah, one yeah. that you teamed up with? Yes. Yeah, so so pos so so like for us, positive impact is all the programs, all of the services. Gwinnett Safe Place is the housing, oh, yeah, yeah, house, okay, right? Yeah. So all of the kids in our Gwinnett County Safe Place program go through all of the positive impact process, the therapy, that's the art classes, that's the extracurricular classes, that's the financial management, that's all of those things. Um, the case management is all through positive impact. And so we get kids that come into the community that don't need housing. They just come from like really underserved families and they just, their families need more resources and support. And then we have kids that come in through our residential program because they are needing emergency housing so that way we can kind of help everybody and just kind of meet them where they're at so and then when it comes to trying to expand to, trying to expand to those other areas how do you network with people up in Jefferson and Athens like how do you manage that too because I guess it, at the end of the day I mean it's such a big organization such a wide area such a need how do you, I can imagine the, the want to just grow, 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 but then that can become unsustainable. It can be kind of get a bit bonkers sometimes. Kind of, yeah, and it can absolutely. Kind of get off the rails. Like how yeah. do you push that growth to an extent where you're like, you're feeling the need as much as you can, but at the same time, you're keeping it ranked in. Yeah. You're not forgetting back where you came from because that happens right. people focus on the new places and then the, then the stuff that you were doing before. Yeah. That's a lot of questions. It's just. Yeah, I know. I, I totally get what you said. I think one of the things that helps is because we're partnered with all the quick trips, um, we have quick trip safe place sites in all of those areas, right? Mm -hmm. um, or at least within like a few miles um, of the areas. So it kind of helps us kind of like if there is a child that is needing help and they are out there, there is a location they can go to that we can get to them. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on in the next year having a house out, out in, in LJ. Okay. Um, uh, we One of our grant writers actually lives out there. She's been working with us for a while and she's like, I want to help have an actual house out there. So so it's kind of like, kind of like back to your beginning question where it's kind of like, how do we plan? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of our concurrent plans. We have a plan in, in place that if a child is out there, we can get to them. We have to bring them here, though, to Gwinnett. Um, and at the same time, working on smaller partnerships, working on our relationship with Barra County Schools, working on our relationship, you know, out in Gainesville, just little bit by, you know, little by little. Um, I, I feel like if we go out full force and if I said I'm going to spend the next six months out in Athens and all the schools and out in Jefferson, I don't know if we'd be able to host the capacity of calls we're going to get. So that's why for Gwinnett, because we're here, we're in every school in Gwinnett, but we're just going to take it a few schools at a time and let them kind of spread the word and make sure they've got everything they need, make sure their police department know about us and their DFATS agency know about us so that when it is needed, they know our number to call, but we're not necessarily in their face because the more we're in their face, the more calls we're going to get. <laughs> so that's kind of how we have to pace ourselves. And then how do you find those strategic partnerships too? Let's say it's through connections. So like, like for instance, we have a really good partnership with DFACS in Gwinnett County. So mm -hmm. it's very easy for us to be connected to Barra County's DFACS, to, you know, Jefferson 
the, the you know the defects out there or the one in Athens and we can kind of make those relationships because we get a lot of phone calls from those other places not mm. as much there because they know of us so I literally have to like if there is an event in one of those places I will make the time to go because it gives me one day to kind of make some connections with people let them know who we are we're here um we might not have a consistent presence but at least they know when they see that sign what does that mean who is that you know because I wasn't sure like that you have organizations like have you worked with um Mosaic yes we love that's Mosaic yeah yeah very cool and then that's where it's also not just trying to you know the fundraise and all those programs but finding the right programs like Mosaic mm -hmm. like um because one matters and like yep. the wrapped in love closet like choosing yep. those people but sometimes it's hard to come across it is decide who, who you want to form those partnerships with yeah and I think for all of us we just kind of have like because one matters and and they're wrapped in love closet we're huge partners with them so you know they constantly when I get kids in in the middle of the night I can call them and say hey I need some pajamas some toiletries and literally they will have a bag for me immediately you know so that's a strategic partnership there's another one we have for streetwise streetwise feeds thousands of families they also provide all of the food for all of our homes you know so another strategic partnership we have home of hope which is for young mothers and so when we have kids that are 18 and they're teen moms we are actually able to transition them to their program um because you know so so it's kind of like as you meet people you figure out and then for us when they have kids that they can't help because they're too young they can send them to us so you know you just kind of as you get to know ask a lot of questions what do you guys do and how does this work and and I always think okay how can you guys help us how can we help you too right yeah. so that it's a it's a two-way um you know relationship where we're helping each other and I think well nonprofits should do that because the truth is we can't do all of this by ourselves right there's more needs than any one of us mosaic if we get kids that are sexually assaulted or need to go through examinations we can call them if they get kids that come in that they're examining that need emergency placement they can call us yeah. so you know it's kind of like together we're able to help more people we're able to serve more demographics and we can be so much stronger because we just do what we do well and we let the other people do what they do well and at the end of the day, who benefits? The clients benefit. Yeah. Right. One of the downsides about that though that I've seen is because coming from like the nonprofit space myself is there are times where I feel there is almost like competition happening between different nonprofits for grants yeah. or funding. Yeah. And that can that can seep into things. And but do you want to know what's do you want to know what's crazy about that? That is very true, right? That there is like a little competition. But what nonprofits are not realizing that if you look at the grants nowadays, it's all about collaborations. They are asking you, who are your partners? Who are your strategic partners? Let me see your MOUs, right? Which goes to show that they're looking at how are you building your sustainability? How are you able to do everything? You know what I'm saying? And the truth is we can't. So like when we got our grant, the 160,000 ARPA grant, we got it with, the Lawrenceville Housing. They secured that they would help us find housing. We have the program. We couldn't have gotten that grant by ourselves because we have the program, we didn't have the housing. They couldn't have gotten the grant by themselves because they had the housing, they didn't have the kids. You know what I'm saying? So I think that if we have that type of mindset that like, listen, there may be a grant that I might not get anything, right? So like one of our partners, Streetwise, they do all the food. Let's just say there is a food grant that we go in for. Okay, they charge us nothing and they just provide 200 pounds 
per house of food, right? So if there was a grant that they could go for that only serve children, and they don't really serve just children, they serve families, okay? I would go in with them on that grant, let them get the funding, because guess what? We receive from them. Do you know what I'm saying? So no, we don't necessarily need the check for food, you guys do what you do and just keep, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because then it just, it, it just ensures yeah. that they can continue to supply food for us because we just help secure funding. And I think that's how we have to look at things. It can't be about money. This is the difference between a business and a nonprofit, right? A business, yeah, it's all about profit, profit, profit. How do you make it? So you are in big competition. It's product that you're trying to sell. And with a nonprofit, it's people's lives. You know what I'm saying? It's how are you serving to the best of your capacity? How are you serving to the highest you know, capacity? How are you having the best quality factor? It's more than money, it's partnerships. It's having tight bonds with other nonprofits so that they know about grants and they'll say, hey, tell me, this grant we don't qualify for, but you totally qualify. I get emails like that all the time. And I do the same thing because I understand that if they are no longer in existence, that's gonna hurt us. And mm -hmm. if we're no, you know what I'm saying? Like it really is shifting your mindset and I know that it's not going to happen overnight, but I just try and, and surround myself with other nonprofit leaders that think that way, because together we've done some really great things and helped more children than what we could have helped by ourselves. I love that. Speaking on like people helping each other, what are some of the things that you need to help support um, Gwinnett Safe Place and help the mission grow? Yeah, I mean, for us, of course, all, always funding is always a big you know, thing. It's just to put it out there. Money is always, always helpful. But outside of that, you know, um, we always need like toiletries for our kids. And it's not it's it's funny because it's not just um, toiletries. But as you know, if like you, you, you know, how like our skin can be sensitive. Right. Mm -hmm. So you may say, like, I'm not being bougie, but I can't use dollar store deodorant. Do you know what I'm saying? Like and I think for our kids. You know, it's really um, a lot of people, you know, have really good hearts and they'll say, oh, I have a whole bag of clothes I want to donate. And it will be someone that's in their 60s and they're donating these old sweaters and jeans that the kids are like. And I and I just feel like there's an element of dignity that I want the kids to have. No, we're not getting them designer clothes. They're not even asking for that. But we are, you know, new underwear. You know what I'm saying? New socks, toothbrushes that are actually going to help brush their teeth, not just something that is flimsy. That's a one time, you know? So, yeah. so I think that those are the type of things, you know, we do have a lot of multicultural kids. So like, you know, whereas if we have a lot of Caucasian children, they need sunscreen. We have a lot of black kids. They don't need sunscreen as much. They need lotion. They need lotion that has Vaseline in it. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. hair products, you get natural hair, you get straight hair, curly hair, barbers that can cut these boys' hair. Sometimes the parents are like, you know, it's expensive to keep up with, but kids are mean. So I don't want to send these kids to school looking all types of way. Like none of our kids will look homeless. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they'll get bullied and it's already bad enough that they're wearing the same clothes or they're, you know, you know, like they're just kind of, so I really... When people say like, what can we do to help? I'm always like, I like to meet the kids' needs on an individual basis, like knowing that like there are certain raises, a certain shaving, mm -hmm. certain, you know, like I said, there's nothing that's anything more than what we would personally want. You know, yeah. there's a difference between getting stuff at Kroger and Publix and the dollar store. 
you know so um mentors are always good you know people are always like hey if i don't have anything to give what can i do if people have skills have companies where they would even do internships and let our kids learn how to work in a professional environment do mock interviews help them with resumes all these things that these kids do not know teaching them how to cook you know like how to drive you know mm. like there are so many different things that some people just have natural talents at, or that you would naturally teach your children. That our kids, they miss that whole part of life and then they're just thrown into adulthood and they have no idea what they're doing, right? Bank accounts, uh, knowing the difference between a bank account, a checking account, credit cards, loans, you know, just like educating them so that they are set up in the best way. So those are definitely ways that like we need a lot more support and where just regular people could just contact us and be like, I have this skill, could it help? Yeah. No, I love that. Well, how does that happen now? Do they, when they live in these homes, is there someone that like an adult figure that is in there with them? Yeah, every house has every house has a house parent. Um, the house parents are making sure that they're getting their meals, that they're in bed at yeah. a certain they're not you know they're going to school they're getting being to work being a parent is, and we tell kids all the time when they come I'm always like I know you think this is like maybe a holiday or like an escape from your family or whatever but like the same rules apply it, whatever like whatever your parents wouldn't allow we don't allow no drugs no alcohol no visitors you have to get a pass if you want to do something special like you want to go see your friends or whatever like we do have a quite a tight ship but we have to um so we definitely have parents that are wonderful they're all therapeutic foster parents they're all trained um so but that way that you know and that's why I like that our houses we never put more than six kids in a house yeah. so that they're getting that family feel you know they, they're getting the attention that they need yeah, they're yeah. no more than two kids in a bedroom you know they're, they're bunk beds um but just making sure that like we're really able to meet their needs and not cramming like a hundred kids in a three-bedroom house it's just it's just not yeah not productive so yeah it's 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 just the worst so yeah do you have any sort of like big projects or fundraisers or anything that's coming up that you wanted to promote at all yeah so in probably around late october we will be doing a gala a dinner um and that will and and that the purpose of that is we have two purposes one is to raise money um but the other one is going to be awareness of what our program is doing and the kids that we serve and success stories and so when people give they're not just giving but they truly understand that their money is going to impact these kids lives and how it already has mm -hmm. and, we currently have. and then um our big project is definitely this transitional living um place whether we get a house and we renovate it and make it units or if we are able if we're lucky enough or blessed enough to find some land and do some tiny houses um that is literally our biggest need so well thank you so much for sharing everything tammy um i love the program that you have somehow i hadn't come across safe place before so i'm happy that we were connected i'd love to stay in touch with you and um if people wanted to reach out to you how do they do that if they have if they want to get involved what's i'll make sure to include it but for those listening, okay yeah way? so one of the ways you can directly email me which is tammy at the positive impact.org um we also have a website www.thepositiveimpact.org um and then also i love to direct people to our facebook page which is positive impact international and i love that because we post real-time 
like events that we're doing, things that the like different events that the kids are doing. We did a professional work day. We were able to show videos and we have all the kids permission to do this, but you know, they um, we're just able to show a lot of the different programs, the community programs. If we've been featured on the news, a podcast like this, we can post everything. And then that way people kind of get a real hands-on of like what we're actually doing. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Tammy, thank you so much again, not just for your time, but everything else you do. Um, and I hope we can stay in touch and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a great one.